Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, where I think we've just about recovered from the game we were served up last night. Brilliant entertainment in the Champions League as Manchester City beat Real Madrid 4-3 in the first leg of the semi-final at the Etihad. We had individual brilliance, penalties, penenkas and a whole load of drama in that back and forth encounter, which we will look at on today's show. Tonight, it's Liverpool's chance to lay down a marker when they play Villarreal at Anfield in their semi-final first leg. Villarreal no doubt the favourable draw, but they knocked out Juventus and Bayern Munich to get here is underestimating Unai Emery's side the worst mistake the Reds could possibly make. Speaking of mistakes, some Chelsea fans feel the way their club's transfer business has unfolded could be an error with Rudiger and Christensen set to leave and a soon-to-be 38-year-old Thiago Silva amongst their defensive options. How will the Blues' backline look next season? We'll tackle the latest transfer talk very shortly. Thanks for joining us on Football Social Daily, the award-winning daily podcast with a Premier League focus. European action for a decent chunk of our top-flight teams this week with West Ham and Leicester both contesting semi-finals of their own tomorrow and with Manchester United and Chelsea squaring off in the Premier League on Thursday as well. But that's all to come on tomorrow's show. Joining myself, Niall McCorn today, though, we have Leeds fan Ian Brannan. Morning, Ian. Oh, yes, I remember Champions Leagues back in the day when <laughs> Leeds used to not leave it till the last minute to secure not being relegated. Uh, but anyway, that was a while ago. Great days. Uh, and Matt remembers the heady days of League One. We've also got Matt Pidd, a Manchester City supporter. Have you got any fingernails left, Matt? <laughs> no, no, they're all chewed down to the skin now, Niall. No, no, it's a bit of a rollercoaster ride that last night, wasn't it? Yeah, you were there. What a game. I mean, talk us through what it was like. The atmosphere looked good at the Etihad. Your emotions must have been up and down. It was a brilliant watch. What was it like to experience in the ground? It was exactly what you'd expect, really. Um Man City fans bang up for it last night. Um, the Madrid fans were making plenty of noise. Great occasion, Champions League semi-final, first leg. Um, two teams um, that are, you know, well, Real Madrid are going to be champions of their domestic season this season. Um, City fighting for the title in theirs. Both in good form. Both going to go for it, aren't they? And, um, you know, it's one of these last night. I think City are probably the only team that can leave their fans sort of like somewhat disappointed after beating Real Madrid 4-3 in the first leg of the Champions League semi-final because before the game kicked off last night 
you would have given me a one goal lead going to the Bernabeu in the second leg. You know, I would have ripped your hand off. But the way the game went, the context of the game, the chances we created, you feel a tad disappointed. And, you know, that sounds mad to say, but it's true. I mean, the, the, we got off to the best possible start you could. Um, great cross by Riyad Mahrez into De Bruyne. You know, great, great header. Brave getting down, planting it into the into the bottom corner and getting his 15th goal of the season. He's been the man for the big occasion this season, Kevin De Bruyne. And I think that's somewhat overlooked sometimes by a lot of um, these so-called like pundits who talk about Ballon d'Or contenders. I think he's he's right up there this season. Um, and then straight away, you know, Gabriel Jesus, red hot from his four goals at the weekend over Watford, um, receives the ball from De Bruyne who turned assist at this time. It's a great spin round. He's, he's a centre-half marker and just planted it past Courtois. And we was in absolute dreamland. But from then on, that's where City really needed to take the game by the scruff and the neck and take it sort of beyond them. But, you know, we've, we've players like, you know, Benzema and Modric and Cruz and, you know, it's, it's always going to be difficult. They're always going to create opportunities. And I think John Stone's going off sort of like, um, sort of like interrupted like this, the team's like sort of rhythm. You could see he wasn't right. He was, he was playing right back, so he was out of position anyway. But, you know, you could just see he wasn't he wasn't quite fit enough to to be in that in that uh, starting eleven. Obviously, he would have told the gaffer different, but you know, Fernandinho coming on, um, he wasn't a bad replacement. Obviously, he's like thirty six years old, nearly thirty seven now, but he's still um, a good player to have in there with plenty of experience. But um, the goal that they scored came from his side. I think it was Mendy that crossed it in. Um, Benzema, you know, just any any sort of half chance in that. That eighteen yard box, he's gonna um, he's gonna take it, and it was a fantastic finish to make it two one, and it was it was then really that the game sort of like sort of like swung their way because we had all the momentum after going two 0 up, and then you you just had this sort of like anxiety in the stadium, you could you could sense it, and we got to half time with it being two one, um, obviously we was very happy with the performance. City didn't really do too much wrong. Um, second half we came out, it was sort of like the sort of mirror image. We came out second half. Um, Swinging basically, um, pressing them, not giving them much time whatsoever. Um, Fernandinho rolling back the years down the right hand side, went past, um, yeah, I think it was Mendy, yeah, he went past Mendy, crossed it in, folded, stooping down, great header, fantastic header, made it 3 1. This stadium, absolutely mental. But again, you just you just know that they're gonna they're gonna get something, they're gonna they're gonna create something. And I'm talking about Fernandinho with his experience but when you've got a player like Vinicius Junior on his side and he's up against him and you know you've seen you've seen yourself the dummy he did he went straight through his legs and you're not you're not going to catch him then Guardiola's reaction said it all really Guardiola was on his knees when he seen him do that and you just knew straight away as soon as he was bombing down that left you knew he was going to he was going to go and plant it in the far corner and again it was uh, the anxiety came back into the ground and you could just feel like the momentum swing their way again but City, City didn't give up. City kept plugging away, kept plugging away, creating chances. Um, Foden had one cleared, one cleared off the line as well. We couldn't quite believe that. That was, you know, great bit of defending from their centre half. And we're talking about the ref last night in the ground. He was the uh, the referee in the first leg for the Atletico game, and a few City fans was um, sort of like slagging him off. But I thought personally, he had a good game last night. He he did did most things right and the advantage for Zinchenko when he got fouled you know everyone else seemed to stop but Bernardo picked the ball up the Real Madrid defenders was expecting a free kick 
you know, referee played a wonderful advantage and he just slammed one past Courtois who just didn't move at all. I, I was on, on the far side to that and I couldn't quite believe it went in. I think it took me about two seconds to realise it didn't hit the side net in and uh, yeah, Stainer went absolutely mental again. But then you you just you just you just know that the game's not finished. You know that there's there's a one more one more dip in this roller coaster ride of a game, and they get a penalty. And Benzema, you just knew that he was gonna he was gonna do something special in that game. And it, yeah, the Penenko, the Penenko just had Edison, you know, just just looking the opposite way, just seeing the ball float into the roof, and an absolutely fantastic penalty. And like I said at the start. In the context of the game, the chances that we created, remember Mares having one in the first half, Foden having a couple, and yeah, um, it was it was a fantastic game of football. And obviously, it's only half time in the tie. We've got a goal lead going to the Bernabeu, which is absolutely fantastic. But in the context of the game, we could and should have beat them by two, maybe three goals. But we can't have it all our own way. And uh, yeah, we're on to Saturday now, another cup final coming up against uh, Ian's boys, Leeds. <laughs> well, let's break those incidents down one by one that you spoke about obviously City got the perfect start that header through De Bruyne after I think just two minutes then they scored again through Gabriel Jesus Uh, the argument is that they could have controlled the game better but you know credit to Real Madrid to get themselves back into it we know Kevin De Bruyne is a big game player he's scored some massive goals in recent games for Manchester City as for Gabriel Jesus Ian there were reports last week saying that he was going to leave the club in the summer he then went and scored four against Watford and now he scored against Real Madrid in a Champions League semi-final. So that's not a bad way to kind of not silence the critics because I'm not sure they're critics, but certainly um, put a stamp on some of that media speculation. Yeah, I, I, and but does it also increase his fee a little bit as well? How many times do we see this when we're getting towards transfer time again that, that players all of a sudden start pulling these performances out of the bag. Uh, maybe seeing that as well. But yeah, I mean, it was an incredible performance right around the Manchester City side. You've got to remember, this is a Real Madrid side who've rarely been beaten in uh, Spain this year. They're running away with the title, uh, but they've, they've struggled against some British sides, haven't they? And and it's uh, it, it, it shows how strong the Premiership is, I think, when you know Manchester City have done that to Real Madrid, that people can't hold a torch to them. In, in Spain and um, you know they've, they've struggled up against these um, you know, the British sides that they've encountered for me personally I'm just really glad that the 2022 Speedway Grand Prix season gets underway at exactly the same time <laughs> as uh, Leeds United play Manchester City this weekend because that's going to lead to less disappointment I mean what a time to be playing Man City they've just demolished Real Madrid and Leeds United with the best one in the world come on uh, if you saw the game against Crystal Palace I <laughs> Like, you know, parking the bus is I'll the be best honest, that I didn't watch have. it. <laughs> no, well, you didn't miss anything. You gained 90 minutes of your life, Niall. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously it's a, it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it, playing uh, Crystal Palace to playing Man City. I can I can almost see Leeds United, you know, dragging out a, a very close match with, with Man City in, in one respect. But then the other hand, you know what happened last time. And, and you think coming off the back of this Real Madrid thing, all I can hope is that Real Madrid drained Man City to their very core, that Man City are going to think, no, we can't take take this action we can't take this this performance it's one too many for us we need to just let this pass by and have our focus fully on the Bernabeu but that won't happen will it no probably not and you know it was a great game I mean some top quality players on show and you know for me being a a fan of a lower league team and tearing my hair out most weeks in frustration uh, about the quality of the the side that I support to then 
flick the channel over and see these unbelievable football players. I mean, the standard is just incredible. Um, we spoke about De Bruyne. You mentioned Benzema, Matt. I mean, the finish for the first goal is outrageous. You know, like to flick it round the corner, I'm not even sure if he got all of it. It might have come off of his shin in the end, but just guides it into the corner at the pace of the cross, which was actually behind him. Gets his side back in it. Crucial goal at a crucial time. And then the penalty. I've just seen a photo. Someone's shining a laser in his face as well. But to then have the confidence with the score at 4-2, to sit Edison on his ass, one of the best keepers in the world, and just dink it into the net. I mean, these players are just... They're something else, aren't they? The quality on show last night from both sides was incredible. Benzema, 34 years old, scored his 40th goal of the season last night. 40 goals in a single <laughs> season last night. And I think it's his eighth in the knockout stages of the Champions League alone. That's not in the whole competition. That's just in the knockout stages. I think the only person to equal that is Ronaldo in 15, 16, or 16, 17, one or the other. So that's the kind of numbers you're talking about Benzema last night. And when I was watching him... I couldn't believe that the guy was 34. He did not stop everything that was coming from Real Madrid, pressing forwards. He was chasing every single loose ball down. He was rallying his team. He was speaking to everyone. He was encouraging everyone. And that chance, that first goal, that's not even a half chance. That's him just coming across his marker and just flicking it on and just knowing that he's going to put the ball into the far corner because at everything at the moment that Benzema does, it honestly, it's, it's, it's like he's just got the Midas touch at the moment. Everything and the Penenka to do that in a pressure situation where the game's getting away from you, and you know, if you score this, it's a massive goal to take for you in the, the second leg. And like you said, to sit one of the best keepers in the world down on his ass, Edison, and just chip the ball. Yeah, it was. It it reminded me last night of when City played Monaco in the Champions League a couple of seasons ago. It was just one of those games that ended up five three in the first leg, but. Thank Christ, there was no away goals last night. I kept thinking about yeah, that well. because I was saying before the game to the lads in the pub, I was thinking, saying like obviously no away goals in the first leg. It's a Real Madrid is going to come here and try and play for a draw just to take to the Bernabeu because it does it sort of it sort of like changes the dynamic of these huge games. The no away goals. But it didn't. No, it didn't disappoint last night. It didn't take anything away from the tie. Real Madrid going punch for punch with us, and you know, like I said at the start, um, if we before the game, you would have said to me to take a goal lead to the Bernabeu in the second leg, I'd snap your hand off. And I'm quite confident that we can go there and do, you know, do another job because we'll have Cancelo back. We didn't have Cancelo last night. We'll hopefully, fingers crossed, have Walker back. We missed him last night, you know, with his pace against Vinicius Junior. I think if we have Walker last night, Vinicius Junior doesn't do what he did to Fernandinho because Kyle Walker's recovery speed is absolutely immense. Even Mbappe couldn't get past him in the Champions League this season. So, yeah, the dynamic... The dynamic Dynamic of the tie now is sat nicely. It's going to be a great one for the neutral to watch. And I'm very jealous that you two can probably sit and enjoy it. And I'll be sat there <laughs> again, chewing my nails down to the bone. But yeah, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting um, it's going to be an interesting week um, week or so for Man City because, like I said, we've got another cup final coming up in the in the league on Saturday as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Pep Guardiola actually mentioned, I think, a couple of weeks ago after that Premier League game with Liverpool that his side are in trouble in terms of injuries rather than how they're playing on the field. And obviously John Stones, who didn't train this week but still started the game, had to come off after 36 minutes. These are the sorts of risks that Pep Guardiola might have to take at this stage of the season if City are to go 
all out for glory. Now, we talk about the goals that were scored. Obviously, Foden scored number three for City. Then Vinicius Jr. hit back with that lovely run and finish past Edison before Bernardo scored what I think was the strangest fourth goal um, or the strangest goal of the night for City's fourth. Am I being harsh, Ian, to question the goalkeeper, Thibaut Courtois? Because Matt rightly picked up on it a few minutes ago. I think he could have done better for De Bruyne's header, the first goal, and it felt like he just froze with, with Bernardo running through. There was clearly a foul. The referee put the whistle to his lips, didn't blow it. City went on. Bernardo slams it into the roof of the net and there's four. Um, I guess it's just a classic case of play to the whistle, isn't it? Well, exactly, yeah. And, and you know, how often do we do we see that, that players do switch off? Um, but, yeah you got to play to the whistle. There was also, you know, good advantage played by the referee. I thought the referee was pretty good and allowed the game to flow as well because how many times do we see potentially classic matches ruined by over-officious officials as well? And and that didn't happen. It was it was a great game, but yeah, I I think it's it was it was part of the excitement, wasn't it? It was it was one of those crazy games. It's it's a classic. It is a classic. And I was listening to people last night who were commentating on it and they, you know, they were they were saying that perhaps along with Man City's performance performance against um was it monaco um yeah, in the champions yeah, yeah. league you know it was it, it is right up there in one of the classic champions league matches that we witnessed last night we'll look back on it in years to come and and you know you were there and you probably don't realize it now but you'll look back on this match in you know five ten years or even longer and think what a crazy night that was when we beat real madrid mm. and goals flying in from all angles it was one of those like crazy fifa matches where you have it on the yeah. easy setting and uh you know there's just there's just <laughs> it's bo- a classic isn't yeah, it i think exactly. last night goes down as a classic yeah. and real madrid is so stubborn i mean that's right. They go 2-0 up Manchester City and you think, right, we've we've got to put our foot on the throat here and just keep them at arm's length. But Benzema pops up, Vinicius pops up. They just wouldn't go away. Yeah. And, you know, that is what makes classic ties. 4-3 the final score after the first leg. No away goals, of course. City have that slender lead to take to the Bernabeu, but the tie is very much still alive, isn't it? Which makes it exciting going into the second leg. It is. And you look at the back pages in Spain this morning, uh, which you might well not have done, uh, unless you're a jet setter like me, <laughs> where, you know, I travel to Europe all the, all the time. Um, but um, the back pages are uh, saying that, you know, Madrid have got away with one here. You know, Madrid come out alive is the back page on the sport newspaper. Marker, which, of course, is one of the big uh, sports papers, call it a miracle uh, last night that they, you know, Real Madrid are still in it. Because, of course, the thing is that Man City won. They could have won by plenty more, you know, not for a bit of luck, you know, hitting posts, hitting the the goalie's boot. Uh, Beaten without lockdown is uh, the headline in, in Mundo Deportivo. Um, which is this newspaper, Spanish newspaper AS, uh, focused on the you know work to be done for next for next week. So you know it's um, it, they feel like they've got a chance where they feel perhaps that Madrid should have been out of it, and so that's dangerous I think for Man City that Madrid f- sort of smell that they can turn this around on their on their home patch. It's crazy that like, even the Spanish media know it because normally they're very biased towards their precious Real Madrid. And you know something, when I think back about where my club have come from, little old City beating Real Madrid 4-3 in the semi-final of a Champions League and then them being 
you know, happy to have gotten away with one. That that that's crazy just for me to sit here and think about. And I was thinking about it on the walk back from the ground last night. I was thinking about it. I was thinking, how 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 have how have I walked out of that ground? Sort of semi disappointed that we have just beat Real Madrid four three in the semi final of the Champions League. It should have been more, but it's one of these. It's all swings and roundabouts, and hopefully it doesn't come back to bite us <laughs> in the second leg. <laughs> I've got the opposite, Matt. I've gone from how have we played Manchester United and beaten them to we've just lost to. F- Accrington Stanley again that's just kind of how it goes for me the opposite way enjoy it while you can uh, what a yeah, game it do, was man. last night Champions League semi-final first leg City take a 4-3 lead from the Etihad to the Bernabeu and I think the second leg is in a week's time it's Liverpool's turn tonight in the Champions League semi-finals they take on Villarreal Villarreal the Spanish side that everyone wanted to face in the semis but why they seem like quite a dangerous proposition if the truth be told we'll talk about that game next after this Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, a European flavour to today's show with City and Liverpool in the Champions League semi-finals. City played last night against Real Madrid and it's Liverpool's turn against Spanish opposition tonight at Anfield. Unai Emery's Villarreal come to town in the first leg of the semi-finals. On paper, Ian, Liverpool are by far the stronger team. They're in better form. They should win this match, really. But there's a reason that Villarreal are in the semi-finals and we can't forget that. Yeah, I'm um, talking about the back pages in Spain. There's a great headline that uh, the yellow submarine heads to Liverpool. They've got a nice little beetle link there. But uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be dangerous. As you say, you don't get to the semi-final of the Champions League um, just on luck. You know, the, the, there's you've played a lot of games by this point. You've gone through the league section, through the knockout section. It's, you know, it's crunch time and it's you're there on minute, merit. Uh, there are obviously a good side to get in the Champions League in the first place. They are going to be a danger. Liverpool, of course, have got this history with the Champions League. They know that they can win it. They've won it recently they've they've done it numerous times over the course of their history they are a very good side as we well know in Europe as well they will be confident but we know that that Villarreal are not going to be a pushover might be a different one at Anfield but if Liverpool don't build up a decent lead tonight then it's going to be nervous I think back on that away leg very much similar to Man City this evening you know if Liverpool can get a three or four goal lead they'll be obviously much more confident about defending that but if there's just a goal in it um, they're going to be dangerous Um, Unai Emery I know we're going to talk about him as a manager but he is um, 
you know, he, he knows what he's doing. He maybe didn't live up to it when he was in the Premier League, but he's a, a hugely respected manager. He knows what's required out of these teams to, to, to grind out results in, in these kind of fixtures. And he's got experience of, of English football as well, which is going to be a big uh, a big boost. So, yeah, they're, they're not to be underestimated, of course. It's semi-final of the Champions League. It's, you know, it's, it's big boys time. Certainly is. Villarreal beat Manchester United in the Europa League last season. They lifted that trophy, which got them um, a pass through to the Champions League group stages this term. They've knocked out Juventus and Bayern Munich in the knockout stages to get to the semi-finals, Matt. And Ian picks up on Unai Emery, the former Arsenal manager, was very successful with Sevilla as well and actually won, think, three Europa Leagues when he was there. But he was almost kind of shoved out of the door at Arsenal. Do you think he's unfairly judged as a manager? Do you think he gets a fair rap? I think over here, absolutely. I think like there was like a number of things going on in the media, like mocking his pronunciation of certain words and stuff like that. And, you know, that that's it's it's not really something that I enjoy seeing that because you can see that he's come over here with an idea, with a philosophy, with a certain way of playing, and it just didn't work for Arsenal. Arsenal just clearly needed something different ultimately. He didn't do bad over here. It wasn't that bad. I mean, I'm sure like Arsenal fans will disagree with me and tell me it was probably like one of the worst like periods in the club's history because we know they can be a little bit dramatic sometimes. But the way he's gone about his business with Villarreal, the way he sets his team up, it's just to frustrate the other teams and then just catch them out when they're least expecting. I mean, the only scored was it one goal in the hot, the two legs over the you know against Bayern Munich. And to knock Bayern Munich out over two legs in a yeah. Champions League quarter final, and to stop them from scoring, and to stop them from scoring well. exactly, a goal machine in Bayern Munich, to stop them from scoring and to knock them out over two legs in a quarter final is no mean feat. And then to you know Juventus to go to Juve to to score three goals over there, they have got dangerous players. They've got players like you know Gerard Moreno, um, Pau Torres is a great centre half. You know they've got they've got players that that can hurt you. So Do you think got... it's the lack of fear, Matt? They've got nothing to lose. No, they're a no. town of 50,000. You know, the nickname's the Yellow Submarine, as Ian rightly says. You know, they've got absolutely nothing to fear. They're punching well above their weight and they're enjoying the ride. And sometimes actually enjoying your football and not really feeling the pressure too much can be a great recipe for success. Exactly. And that can only go in Villarreal's favour. There's a, there's a lot of pressure on Liverpool at the moment. They won't be speaking about it, but, you know, they're talking about the quadruple and, you know, the seventh Champions League. But Villarreal are just happy to be there. Yeah, they've won the Europa League to get into the Champions League, but now they find themselves in the semi-final of the Champions League. I don't think they've been here since they played Arsenal, funnily enough. I think it was Raquel, maybe, Mr. Penalty, um, back in 05, 06. Yeah, when they had when they still had like players like Diego Farland. So it's been a while since Villarreal have been at this stage. But, you know, they've got, like I said, experience in Europe and experience in big European games like the one against Manchester United in the final they played recently. Like I said, they've got nothing to lose tonight. If they can frustrate Liverpool and hold them like to maybe maybe even just a one-goal... I think they'll be happy with a one-goal defeat tonight to take to, uh, to back to Villarreal. But if they can get a draw and to take to Villarreal, the impetus is with them then. They've got everything to gain then, nothing to lose, everything to gain. And I think that can work in their favour tonight. And if Liverpool turn up the way they did against Everton on Sunday, they didn't really impress me at all against Everton on Sunday. I think they got away with it on Sunday against Everton. So if it's a completely different sort of proposition for them now. They've got to be ruthless tonight, Liverpool. And to be fair to them this season, that's what they've been. That's what's got them in the position where they are now. They've been ruthless up front, they've, been, they've, they've scored like pretty much near for every opportunity that they get, every good opportunity they get, they seem to put it away. 
So that's what they've got to do tonight. They've got to go for the jugular tonight, and, and Klopp will know. He's, he's not a daft Klopp. He, he will know not to underestimate these tonight, and it's going to be, hopefully, an interesting game of football. Yeah, they'll, they'll be eyeing at least a, a two-goal cushion to take back to Spain. I think that that is what most Liverpool fans will be expecting as well. But as we say, you can't underestimate Unai Emery and indeed Villarreal. But is every game now for Liverpool, Ian, the biggest game of the season? And I know it's such a cliche. We always hear managers say, we're only focusing on the next game. But after a week that they've just had, where they face Man City in the FA Cup semi-final, they face Manchester United, one of their biggest rivals, they faced Everton, their local rivals in the Premier League. Now they've got a Champions League semi-final. It just feels like every next step, every next game has to be considered the biggest game that they've got of the season, surely. Well, yeah, but look where they are. You know, they're still in the hunt in all these competitions. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's tough at the top, as they say, and, and that's the pressure they're going to have to handle. They've, they've got a trip to, to Newcastle, which won't be easy, but I, I think it'll be easier than some of the matches they've got coming up, to be honest, um, at the weekend. Then they've got the second leg next Tuesday, um, followed by um, hosting Tottenham. Then they're away at Villa. Then they've got the FA Cup final. Um, got a, uh, then they meet um, Wolves, Man United and Crystal Palace to, to round off the, the, the season as well. And I think there's a Southampton fixture to, to squeeze in at some point maybe as well. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it, it seems to be, it, it, it is going to seem like they're, they're all big matches, but everything's riding on it, especially when it's so tight at the top of the table. They haven't got, um, well, they haven't got a lead at all because they're not top of the table. But, you know, it's, it's so tight at the top, they can't afford to drop any points in the league. Uh, they've still got the FA Cup. Um, they've still got the, the Champions League. And, and all, all requires big performances every single week because if they don't, they'll either be out or they'll lose the, the FA Cup. They'll be out of the Champions League. And you have to say, losing uh, a fixture in the Premier League at the moment is not an option for them e- either because while Man City are playing like they are, you lose against Newcastle at the weekend or potentially lose against Wolves further into you know May, you know that could be the, the end of the, the Premier League. So they are, they're all must-wins until unless yeah. Man City lose, of course. I mean, if you look at the fixtures that they've got, Matt, I mean, I'm just looking at them now. They've obviously got this game tonight with Villarreal, then Newcastle at the weekend away. Then they've got the away leg of the Champions League against the Spaniards next Tuesday. Then in the Premier League, it's Tottenham. Not an easy game. Aston Villa, of course, managed by Steven Gerrard. Can you imagine if he puts an end to Liverpool's title chances? Then it's the FA Cup final. And then there's a, a couple of games left of the season to go for them. I think they've got Southampton to play, which needs to be rearranged. And then the final game of the season is at Anfield against Wolves. So if you look at their fixtures, they're all so important. And people have said in the past that winning four trophies is not possible. It's just, it just can't happen. It's too hard. But Liverpool are pretty close to making it a reality. I don't think they will. I just can't see how. And I'll be stunned if they do do it. But where are they going to slip up here? Which games? Is it the Premier League title race? Is it the FA Cup final? I mean, where can you see them coming unstuck, if possible? I think Newcastle weekend's a big one. Newcastle banging form at the moment, and they're just riding on the crest of a wave at the moment, aren't they? Newcastle are absolutely flying at the moment in terms of their form, and I don't think they fear anyone at the moment, Newcastle. And I think, obviously, being at home as well, the atmosphere at St. James is up be absolutely cracking. Um, Liverpool know that they can't afford to drop points. Obviously, we've got you know Leeds, which Leeds are fighting for their lives. So that's a big game for us. We're fighting for the title. Leeds are fighting for their lives. It's at Ellen Road. They're going to be bang up for it. So it's it's a case of every game at the moment being a cup final for both sides. 
And Liverpool at the moment, they're on the brink of history. They're on the brink of making history, doing what no other team has been able to do in the history of English football. So they know that they, they can do that. And as a mentality thing, Liverpool will believe that they can do it. They won't be talking about it openly in like sort of press conferences or in interviews, but I think behind the scenes they'll they'll be quite confident they can do it. I think Liverpool can win every single game that they can play. It's hard to to know where they're going to drop points because they're that good. But if you're gonna if you're gonna give me one out of those, I'm I'm gonna say weekend's a big one for them. Weekend's a big one for them because Newcastle, like I said, they're, they're not fearing anyone at the moment. They've got they've got all this form behind them. They've got St James's crowd behind them. If they're gonna drop points in the in the league, I'd say I'd say it's um, this weekend. But we've got we've got Leeds, we've got Wolves, we've got we've got Newcastle at home, we've got West Ham away, and then we've got Villa at home on the final game of the season. So again, all tough games for us. And plus, we've got Real Madrid in the middle of that. So yeah, it's just gonna who blinks first. That's that's just that's the way it's gonna be for me. Who's who's gonna blink first? Who's who's gonna um, who's gonna flinch? For me, it's that FA Cup final against Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea are pretty good at Wembley, and obviously, we know one-off games. They're uh... Then they're not um, they're not always the easiest to to go and uh, and win in pressure situations and obviously I think the two sides faced off in the Carabao Cup final so whether there'll be some sort of revenge expected from Chelsea there we will wait and see but for tonight it's the Champions League first leg at Anfield Liverpool against Villarreal and uh, we'll have some reaction to that for you on tomorrow's episode of Football Social Daily. Jim will be in the chair for that one, and his team, West Ham, are playing in a semi-final as well of the Europa League against Eintracht Frankfurt, Leicester City. Pinch yourself, Jim. Yeah, pinch yourself indeed. And also for Leicester City fans listening, where they take on Roma at King Power Stadium tomorrow. That'll be a big one for them in the Europa Conference League. But that's it for the European football chat for now at least you can catch the rest of it tomorrow so hit subscribe and you won't miss it but we're going to talk transfers next on football social daily because with only a month left of the season you know that those back pages are heating up we'll do it next after this football social daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, part three of your daily Premier League podcast. I'm going to talk transfers now. And let's begin at Chelsea, where reports claim that Antonio Rudiger, who is out of contract in the summer at Stamford Bridge, is likely to join Real Madrid at the end of the season. Andreas Christensen is also being lined up with a move to La Liga. Barcelona allegedly in for him, which leaves 38-year-old Thiago Silva along with Trevo Chalabar, who's young and still learning the game. They, of course, sold Zuma to West Ham in the summer. They're pretty light at the heart of defence, Ian. So, you know, it makes you wonder what Thomas Tuchel is going to have to work with at the back next season. Yeah, I think there's a, the, the whole question mark over what Chelsea are going to look like next season still hangs, doesn't it, with this whole, you know, takeover, rumbling on, who's going to be in charge? Is it going to be Serena Williams and Lewis Hamilton? God, you imagine waking up from a really long sleep and 
welcoming yourself into 2023. Lewis Hamilton is now a football tycoon while still racing yeah. a Formula One car. It's just uh, slightly bonkers. Well, that would not that would not be the weirdest thing that's happened in the last two or three no. years as well. <laughs> so. <laughs> You're quite right, but you, you know you make a good point that they do have a slightly aging. Um, side in in certain departments at Chelsea Um, and and those players are naturally whilst I think you can play a lot older these days you know what I mean the the fitness we've seen a lot of players can still operate at the top level uh, for an extended extended period of time but you know getting to 38 for for Thiago Silva whilst he's um, a a great player and and has got his own rap record uh, named after him um, he's sort of achieved everything and and he's probably going to be moving on and they need to make way for some younger talent in many ways this is the the thing that's often happened with Chelsea is that they've They've had too much talent on their books, haven't they? They've not been able to give some players opportunities, players that have gone on to have perfectly acceptable top-level careers that they've not been able to factor in because they've gone round just buying names all the time. So maybe it's time that we see some of the, the youngsters given a chance, you know, recruit from within. They've already got these players, but they just seem to prefer to have the, the finished project all the time, don't they? Um but yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out um, and what Thomas Tuchel does, if Thomas Tuchel is, of course, still there. <laughs> because there's still always r- rumours about his name, depending on how things go with the takeover, depending on who it is, might well affect that. You know, So there's just there are so many question marks about how Chelsea potentially will look next season, largely depending on who's going to be owning it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people suggested when the sanctions came in on Roman Abramovich that Chelsea won't be the same again in terms of competing for the Premier League, competing for the Champions League, that sort of thing. Um, And despite those warnings from experts, in inverted commas, I use that term lightly, uh, Chelsea have continued to win games and continued to to be successful. They've got to the cup final. They were unlucky against Real Madrid, I thought, in parts in the Champions League. They just came up against a a ridiculously good Karim Benzema. Uh, But when you look at the transfer policy here, Rudiger has been allowed to leave for free. Christensen has been allowed to leave for free. Thiago Silva's 38. They sold Zuma. Trevo Chalabar has obviously come in and been the younger uh, figure coming through the defence. Can you see, Matt, why the Chelsea fans are a little bit wound up as to the way that the transfer policy has gone, even pre the sanctions to, to Roman Abramovich? Yeah, you you can understand because there's, there's players like Tamori as well who went who went to Milan who was looking um, quite promising, um, and I think it is frustrating because I've, I mean we've got we've got academies for a reason, and Ian rightly touched on that in the um, the first part there. I mean, when you look at the, the the amount of players that Chelsea have loaned out, you look at the you, you you're talking like double figures. I think that you know, rule the, might change next year, Matt. I think that there's a, a chance that that rule could change, so players. Well, there'll only be a certain amount of players allowed to be loaned out by yeah. clubs. So, hopefully, so and, for, and obviously for Chelsea's sake, I think that that could be beneficial. Obviously, everything's up in the air with with Chelsea at the moment in terms of where they're going to be getting the money from next season. But I, I think they'll be totally fine. I think, you know, they're they're in a place now, Chelsea, where they're they're an elite football club. They've won the the Champions League twice in the last, you know, ten years. So they're a very hot hot prospect for for someone who's got a lot of money to go and buy and invest in. Or if, if there's if there's a number of people that want to invest in Chelsea, I think they'll be they'll be completely fine. But they don't want to leave the squad bare bones because you know there's there's a lot of other clubs out there that are going to be wanting to buy the best. And there's a new kid on the block in Newcastle who have got you know big money. I mean let's let's be real. They're not exactly you know like the big the hottest prospect in the world at the moment in terms of where they are. Like they offer like sort of no European football or anything like that, but they offer a project, 
and it be exciting for some of these young and up and coming players to go to, you know, to go and join in with that. Because in the next, you know, five or six years, Newcastle could be challenging with these kind of teams. I mean, I've seen it with my club, Man City. I've seen it happen over the, the space of three or four years. We we lost all our money. Uh, we had Tatskin Sinewatra in charge. He had all his assets frozen. We was, you know, looking at being bankrupt. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we have um, Abu Dhabi Group coming in and buying us, you know, out the blue and then everything changes. So, you know, any, anything can happen in a day in football. I was speaking to some friends last night. I was talking about a week being a long time in football. A day's a long time in football sometimes. <laughs> so, so, so Chelsea, I wouldn't, I wouldn't panic too too much about Chelsea, but they do need to to rethink the transfer policy a little bit. I think I think they need to, like Ian said at the start, stop just thinking about buying these big names. And I mean, you've seen it with with Mason Mount; it's paid dividends with Mason Mount. Look at him; he's one of the best midfielders in the league at the moment. You know, he, he had he had experience with Derby at Lampard, and then obviously Lampard brought him with him to Chelsea. And look at him; he's he's a regular starter for Chelsea, and he's and he's doing bits. So I think yeah, they need to use their academy a little bit more. Stop sort of like throwing money at these these players; these sort of like in quotation marks finished articles because we've seen it with Lukaku it's not worked out they've spent 90 million on him and look what's happened it's it's he's looking like he's going to be a flop so yeah they just need to rethink their transfer strategy and obviously I think they'll be fine in terms of money next season I think they'll get bought out by some consortium or some rich person and then uh, they'll go again next season I'm keen to see how their transfer policy works this summer Chelsea because I think I'm right in saying that Marcos Alonso and Cesar Spiliqueta could also end up leaving the club in the summer um, obviously all just rumours at the moment we'll have to wait and find out what happens there at Chelsea and f- talking of Chelsea players there's a former one in the back pages as well along with a fair bit of Arsenal news that character is Tammy Abraham and Arsenal indeed will be looking to strengthen their squad for next season the British press Ian are reporting that £70 million is what it would take to tempt Tammy Abraham back to the Premier League from Roma where he's currently plying his trade and doing very well it must be said but the Italian media say that he's happy in the Italian capital and that he's going to stay. If you were Tammy Abraham and you were, uh, you know, had to make a decision in the summer, what would you prefer? Would you rather stay in Rome and continue to to score goals there for a team that are, are challenging to get into the Champions League places? Or would you return to where you're from, the capital, London, to play for an Arsenal side who are in a very similar position? Well... I think a lot depends on whether you like the Italian lifestyle or not, <laughs> to be quite honest. <laughs> well, he's done an interview this week. He says he likes the food and he's and he, he's very happy in Rome. So He's loved there as well. The fans adore him there. Do you know, Rome, North London. It's basically uh, Rome or Gunnersbury Park, yeah, is what I'm saying. I know. <laughs> do, they have a, do they have a mascot at Rome? Because I'm just wondering, you know, Gunnosaurus is a big draw. Uh, and that that would be one of my main sort of considerations. Uh, it certainly would be on the table. Um, but yeah, I mean Rome. You know, he's, if he's if you know, the, I'm sure they're paying him well. Um, as you say, it, there's not a massive trade up in terms of silverware or or stuff you would you would lose out on if you're adored in Rome. I think it's probably a different level of fanaticism from what I understand from people who've played in, in, in Italy just say it's absolutely crazy you know you're a proper rock star and you know footballers are well known in this country but you have all the hassle with, with the media and I think if you're doing well the media are on your side there do what you want pretty much in Rome you know you're, you're a proper legend and uh, it's um, you know Jose Mourinho is still there isn't he so there's a little bit of uh, familiarity and stuff so I, I don't know. I can't tell Tammy Abraham what to do, but um, I, I think you know, enjoy the ride in Rome because you're going to have a lot of time where you're going to be able to play in in, in this country. 
Um, you know, the opportunities abroad, maybe certainly at clubs like Roma, uh, you know, which I know that they're not um, at their very peak at the moment, but they, they are a, you know, they're, they're a big name. They're a legendary club. You know, you put them in the same bracket as the Bayern Munichs or Real Madrid's, maybe not at the moment in terms of what they've done, but based on their history, you know, they're, they're one of the great names of football and uh, they're, they're, they're no... Um, that they're they're not worse than than Arsenal as a name to play for, um, so yeah, I think live the dream while you're there, mate. Enjoy it, fill your boots, um, learn a bit of Italian, broaden your broaden your horizons. Enjoy the the, the biggest thing in Rome is, and this is a, quite a consideration, that um, you used to be able to sit on the Spanish steps and drink wine all night, uh, but they, they've banned that now. So that's that's maybe a black mark against uh, against yeah. life in Rome. But other I couldn't than that, imagine yeah. Tammy Abraham sat on Nelson's column with a four pack of Strongbow, but you know, yeah. no, I mean it's, it doesn't it doesn't often <laughs> happen, but you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Rome's a lovely city. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I can see the benefits <laughs> of uh, given the choice. I think uh, I would, I'd like to be in Rome versus North London definitely it's just a nicer place to be <laughs> by the way for any Londoners listening I meant Finsbury Park not Gunnersbury Park I oh apologize. yeah Finsbury yeah, that's right. he's not moving to Brentford he's not moving to Brentford oh, yeah, let's yeah. move to some Wolves transfer news now and Ruben Neves has been in the press a lot lately he's been linked to Manchester United but there's also a report coming out of Spain today suggesting that he is in their words crazy about the thought of signing for Barcelona. Either way, Matt, <laughs> do you think Wolves will be looking for a, a new midfielder this summer, whether that be United, whether that be Barca, whether that be somewhere else? Can you see Ruben Neves moving on? I mean, he's been at Wolves now for a number of seasons. He started with them in the Championships, absolutely smashing it over there, scoring some ridiculous goals from range. And, you know, he's got he's got quality behind him, Ruben, Ruben Neves, and he's only 25 years of age, so he's still got his best years ahead of him. And I think... Any of those clubs that sign him, they, they gain a decent player, and you know, like I said, he, he's not got his, he's, he's got, he's still got his best years ahead of him yet. So they've yet to see the best of what Ruben Neves can offer as a, as a player. I think, obviously, Wolves have got the Portuguese thing going on that might keep him there. But you know, who's going to say no to going to Barcelona? Do you know what I mean? And Barcelona and Wolves have got this. I don't. They've, they've swapped swap players a little bit, and um, obviously, um, Traore's gone there recently. I'm trying to think of the fullback that signed from Barcelona to go to Wolves recently. I can't quite remember his name. Is it Semedo, um, Nelson Semedo? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, Nelson Semedo. That's it. Yeah, so he's gone there. So there might be a little, a little sort of like partnership thing going on there with them. Um, United are obviously on a rebuild. They've got uh, Tenag now in charge. There's a, there's going to be a project going on there. Anyone that signs for United is going to get told, you know, it might not happen, you know, next year or the year after. But we're here for the long haul, and we're going to build something great. We're going to get United back to where they should be. So it all just depends on where Ruben never sees himself. If he wants to go and sun it up in Barcelona, or wants to join uh, us in Manchester in the rain. So you know we'll we'll see. But anyone that that signs Ruben never signs a good player and signs a player that can uh, that can definitely improve your squad. He signed for Wolves when he was nineteen. Ian, he's now twenty five. He's in the Portugal national team. He's nearly played one hundred and eighty league games for Wolverhampton Wanderers. If he does leave. I think that they can agree that he's been an excellent signing for them. Um, but will it will it hurt them if he moves to another Premier League club, do you think? Or will they appreciate that as supporters if he does end up moving on? I think it depends um, where he should move and, and, and what the fee is and how how they yeah. get rewarded. I mean, if he goes to Aston Villa, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can understand if they'll be... Yeah, yeah that, exactly. But. So there's some, there's, some, there's some teams that, you know, if a player moves to Liverpool or Man United or Man City or... 
Chelsea or something, somebody like that, and they, and they, you get a good reward for him. You know, you get a good fee that you can reinvest in a in a in a you know a like for like player or better. Then it kind of takes a sting out of it, doesn't it? Because you think, well, we can't compete with that. He's playing for a top team. He wants to play in the Champions League. We can see that, and you'd accept it. But yeah, if he moved to Southampton, you'd be like, hmm, that's you know, that's that's not very good. I don't think very good for him, or indeed for for for, for Wolves. Um, he's obviously got his sights set further up the uh, the food chain, though. And um, yeah, if if he moves off to a to a Champions League side, whether that's in this country or or any other, you can see what he's doing it for. You can see that he's doing it to to, to play in those big tournaments and. They should give him uh, their their well wishes. Um, it can only turn sour if they go to a direct rival. Doesn't, you know that's usually how it goes, isn't it? Where you get this crazy Judas type bobbins, where people start being ridiculous with banners and letting off smoke grenades outside football grounds at six o'clock in a night. Uh, you don't you don't want to have that situation, but I don't see it going that way. Um, and you know he's going up the he's going up in the world and. Uh, Wolves with the best willer and are not really able to support his personal ambition. And uh, if it comes to that, because they're not going to be having a long run in the Champions League anytime soon, are they? So, uh, you know, you've got to do what's right for you, as anybody else would do in your career. If you get a better opportunity with another company and you get better pay and you have better opportunities, then of course you're going to take it. And why is it any different in football? Well, don't be running off to another podcast now, Ian. Uh, I know what that was suggesting. Well, You're staying firmly wh- here. Where else would I go? On No Breaks, yeah. No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. Season starting soon, mate, as you said earlier. Yes, yes. A new episode out today, in fact. Um, I've, I've just re-uploaded it because I'm about to make a slight tweak, as we do. <laughs> the wrong time for the TV show. But, uh, yes, it all starts on TV, Eurosport <laughs> 2 on Monday night, Bank Holiday Monday. So uh, you've got plenty of time to get ready for it. And, uh, yeah, it's the, the Premiership League, uh, top-level stuff, Wolves, ver- speaking of Wolves, Wolves versus Kings Lynn, because there's Wolves Speedway. Um, and, uh, yeah, Wol- Wolverhampton Wolves versus Kings Lynn Stars starts Monday night. It's on Eurosport 2 and the Discovery Plus app, major innovations in Speedway this year, because Discovery <laughs> are uh, are running the, 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 the top competition, which is the Grand Prix Series, the World Series, Discovery networks the tv channel are actually running the whole thing now for 10 years so um that's that's going to be on on uh saturday night at the same time as the leeds match so you know if you want to flick over uh, that's <laughs> where you need that's where you need to go eurosport 2 for that but that's gonna be interesting to see what they do there so we've got a big preview dave rowe from eurosport is uh, is with us uh in this week's episode previewing everything you need to know about Speedway. Get down to your local track, enjoy. It's um, been a great start to the season. There's tracks all over the country. And um, yeah, go along. Take a friend if you're not been for ages. Speedway's a funny sport because people always say, oh yeah, I went once. And uh, you know, if you can go a few more times, that'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, lovely stuff, Ian. Good to hear. Of course, go and check out the Speedway podcast, No Breaks, No Fear, official British Speedway podcast, of course. And Matt, good to speak to you, mate. Hopefully, your nails have grown back by this time next week. <laughs> They'll be a bit straight back down, I guarantee you. No this time next, yeah, this time, well, no, this time, you know, in eight days, Thursday, because we're playing next Wednesday, don't we? So, yeah. Thanks for listening to today's show. Don't forget, you hit subscribe. That way, you won't miss another episode of the podcast again. Jim will be back tomorrow. His beloved West Ham in European semi final action. Who'd have thought we'd have said that only a few seasons ago? You can hear from Jim and the rest of the guys on tomorrow's show, as I say, by hitting subscribe. But from myself, Matt, and Ian, that is it. And we'll speak to you next time on Football Social Day. 
Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Daily.